The Philippines, as a country, isn't sleeping well. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, we're spending hours in bed, doom-scrolling on Twitter, reading endless news articles about virus mutations and vaccine delays. Our circadian rhythms are messed up. In this episode of B-Side, Dr. Jimmy V. Chang, head of the Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center of St. Luke's Medical Center, Quezon City, and chair of the Philippine Academy of Sleep Surgery, speaks with Business World reporter Patricia B. Marisol about coronasomnia and how to sleep better at night. Sleep has a very restorative nature. Sleep accounts for a third of our lives. But what happens exactly during that daily reset? What happens when we sleep? Sleep is a way for our body to rest and recharge and prepare ourselves for the next period of wakefulness. During sleep, even our heart rests a little. The heart rate goes down and our blood pressure goes down a little. And during wakefulness, the brain generates a lot of chemicals that when it accumulates, it can be harmful to the brain. And it is during sleep when all these chemicals are excreted or removed from the brain. Also, some parts of sleep are uh, functional. For example, REM sleep is said to be responsible for memory consolidation, for you to remember things. For example, when you're studying, you have to sleep and reach REM sleep for you to be able to remember what you studied. Slow-wave sleep, especially in children, is when growth hormone is secreted for the development of the kid as well. So sleep is a very vital and important function for us to survive, for us to grow, and for us to function and be able to prepare ourselves during the day. What forces control sleep regulation? There are two main forces that control sleep regulation. First is what we call homeostatic. Homeostatic meaning your sleep depth, the amount of duration you're awake that will eventually lead to your brain longing for sleep. And the second is circadian, meaning our internal clock that sets our usual periodic sleep time, which is usually nocturnal or during the night. So these two forces has to be synchronized, has to work together in order for us to get that quality, proper timing of sleep. What happens when individuals don't sleep well? Before we go to answering what happens, we have to define what sleeping well is first. Proper sleep or good sleep has to meet three criteria. First is the proper timing, proper duration, and adequate quality or good quality of sleep. Now, if one of those criteria are not met, then you don't have good sleep. Now, what are the consequences whenever you don't get good sleep? First, you have consequences in your general health. Uh, You can end up having hypertension. Some cancers are associated with improper timing of sleep. Your blood sugar will go up. And other consequences with regards to your immune system are there as well. And the second is consequences with regards to quality of life. Again, you're functioning during your wake times. Your, your productivity is affected, your memory is affected, and your concentration is likewise affected. Dr. Chang, when you say proper duration, do you mean between seven to nine hours of sleep? And when you say good quality of sleep, does that mean half the time you're on the REM cycle? Duration of sleep depends on the patient's age or the person's age. Children usually need about 
9 to 10 hours of sleep. Uh, adolescents need about 9 hours of sleep. Normal adults will usually require about 7 to 9 hours of sleep. And some people can function with 6 hours of sleep, but the general recommendation is about 7 to 9 hours of sleep. Elderly will usually require only about 7 hours of sleep. With quality of sleep, you have to be able to obtain the different stages of sleep. There's four stages of sleep. Stage 1, 2, 3, and then you have REM sleep. Then you usually have to cycle through all those stages about three to four times during the night. And one cycle will usually last about 90 minutes. About four cycles of that will generally be a good quality sleep. Are Filipinos sleeping well, generally speaking, based on your experience at the St. Luke's Sleep Lab? From experience, with regards to timing, no, we are not. We have a lot of shift workers. From the call center agents, healthcare workers, we have a lot of shift workers that usually go against their internal clock. With regards to quality, again, sadly, we are not because the incidence of sleep disordered breathing is higher in Asians. Then, in sleep disordered breathing, like sleep apnea, affects the quality of your sleep. It prevents you from entering deeper stages of sleep. Now, with regards to duration, there's no definite study yet, but because our culture is a little more laid back compared to other Asian countries, our incidence of insomnia seems to be not as high as other Asian countries. Uh, in fact, during my training in Taiwan, I saw a number of insomnia patients weekly as compared to during my practice here in the Philippines. Has this pandemic brought about an increase in coronasomnia? In other words, has this pandemic affected sleep patterns? Yes, I believe so. We have seen increasing trends of sleep difficulties during this pandemic. In order for you to develop insomnia, uh, there's three factors that contribute to insomnia. First is predisposing factors. Certain personalities are more prone to develop insomnia. Second is the precipitating factor, the triggering factor, which this pandemic has brought about a lot of triggering factors that can trigger insomnia in certain patients the stress, the uncertainty, even getting exposed to a patient with COVID already can trigger your insomnia. And then the third is perpetuating factors, meaning the bad habits that develop, which is mainly staying in bed too long, disrupted routines, doing a lot of things in bed other than sleep. For example, working from home, watching the TV, you have a lot of time now to spend in bed that actually can disrupt your sleep. So, yes, we are seeing an increasing trend in sleep difficulties during this pandemic. If a person ends up tossing and turning in bed because of pandemic-induced anxiety, what can you advise that person? The tips usually are set a fixed sleep schedule. You only need seven hours of sleep. Give yourself only seven hours of bedtime. Then set boundaries at home. If you work from home, limit your bed activities to only sleep and work in another room. Next is expose yourself to sunlight every morning. Because of the pandemic, because of limiting yourself inside the house, sunlight exposure is likewise affected. And sunlight is very important in setting your biological clock, which will eventually affect your timing of sleep. Next is do not clock watch. Don't look at the time. You're going to put more pressure on yourself, counting the number of hours you've been lying there, forcing yourself to sleep. 
Next is limit daytime naps. Don't go to bed in the afternoon. And again, never force yourself to sleep. Don't think about sleep. Some patients usually go to bed at around 8 o'clock and then they pause and turn trying to fall asleep and then eventually they get more frustrated and then they find it more difficult to go to sleep. What types of sleep issues does the sleep lab deal with? The Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center of St. Luke's is the largest sleep center in the country right now. The reason why it's called Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center is because we are equipped to handle all types of sleep disorders, from movement disorders during sleep, insomnia, sleep breathing problems, and also misalignment of your sleep with, uh, with time. Can you share more about some of the remedies a sleep lab has to help deal with these disorders? The treatment of choice for insomnia is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, wherein we identify the factors that are causing the patient's insomnia and do an individualized treatment plan to address those factors. It's cognitive, meaning we change the person's perception about their sleep. Behavioral, we try to change their behavior in response to their sleep problem. And Usually, this treatment is performed by psychologists. Now, with regards to sleep breathing disorders, we perform sleep studies wherein we identify what type of breathing problems the patient has during sleep and then eventually either do surgery or offer uh, positive airway pressure or CPAP therapy. What are some of the causes of sleep issues do certain illnesses cause them? Any chronic comorbid condition can affect sleep. May it be congestive heart failure, diabetes, even hypertension can disrupt their sleep. However, more commonly, painful conditions can disrupt your sleep, like cancer, arthritis, etc., making your sleep very shallow and shortened. In certain conditions like Again, heart conditions, congestive heart failure and COPD makes your breathing problematic when you're sleeping, which likewise affects the depth of your sleep. Doc, just another question about remedies, because sometimes I would go on YouTube and I would see these videos where sleep lab patients would have electrodes placed on their heads and then their physiological patterns are monitored overnight. Do you have this type of machine in the sleep lab, and what types of sleep disorders does this handle? It's called the polysomnography, or a sleep study in layman's term, wherein we monitor all physiological aspects of the patient during sleep, including brain waves, oxygen saturation, even movement of the patient during sleep. Conditions wherein this is indicated is all sleep disorders except insomnia. So when you have problems breathing, when you snore, bed partner sees that you stop breathing. If you have movement problems, when you suddenly jerk during the night or you suddenly wake up shouting, this can be performed as well. They say that the older you get, the harder it is for you to sleep well. They also say that the older you get, the more prone you are to cognitive decline. Are these two factors related? The older you get, the chemicals that are required to maintain your sleep also goes down a little. That's why elderly patients usually have very fragmented 
and very shallow sleep. But still, they are able to get the adequate amount of sleep that is required, which is about 7 hours of sleep. Now, cognitive decline has been found to be associated with sleep. Patients who sleep poorly or don't get enough sleep have been found to have a faster decline in their cognitive ability and faster onset of dementia in some patients because it has something to do with a chemical that is associated with dementia but also accumulates because of the lack of sleep. If I'm sleep-deprived and I find a way to sleep well again, how soon will it be until I experience the health benefits of sleeping well? During the first night of recovery sleep, your brain is actually recovering already. During the first recovery night, deep sleep is prolonged. You have that very pronounced deep sleep during your first recovery night. That's the, a way for your brain to actually recuperate from the lack of sleep that you encountered the previous hours of previous days. On the second to third day or recovery night, your brain now recovers REM. Okay? So when in REM sleep, you, you now recover the ability to remember things properly and be really rested the following day. So after about three nights of good sleep, you're going to be good, you're going to be able to recover from the uh, sleep deprivation you encountered prior to those recovery nights. What are your thoughts on over-the-counter sleeping pills? Currently, there are no over-the-counter sleeping pills. Sleeping pills, which are really meant to put patients to sleep, are all regulated. You have to have a special license for that. It is a misconception that Antihistamines and melatonin are sleeping pills. No, they are not. And they are not effective with regards to insomnia. They are not indicated for insomnia. And again, the treatment of choice for insomnia is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, wherein we identify first what causes the patient's insomnia, what causes the patient's difficulty, and we address that first. We address the cause, the source of the problem. And then we just add the sleeping pill as an emergency pill, just in case the patient really feels anxious and really finds it difficult to fall asleep, just to help them follow the instructions given during cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. What are your top tips for individuals to have a great night's sleep, pandemic or no pandemic? Aside from the ones I mentioned earlier, comfort of your bed is Likewise, very important. You have to be able to get that comfort that will help you fall asleep. And in addition to that, some patients snore when they lie flat. And getting a pillow or getting a mattress that will help you fall uh, sleep on your side can actually help you breathe better and help you sleep deeper if you have that problem. Again, for people who have difficulty initiating sleep, the main tip is to limit your time in bed. Limit it to the amount of time that you really need for sleep and don't spend too much time in bed doing other things. Don't think about sleep, don't focus on your sleep and try to distract yourself by other things. It's like a reverse psychology of instead of trying to fall asleep, try not to sleep until a certain time. Instead of try mo matulog, try mo magpuyat. In that way, if you restrict your time in bed, 
your brain will naturally find a way to ask for more sleep. And in the next few days when you go to bed, then you're going to naturally feel sleepier. I just want to highlight that sleep is really very important. It's one of the requirements to survive. Water, food, sleep is one of that. A person cannot survive without sleep because it is a requirement for you to be able to cope up with the stress of being awake. Now, if you're trying to fix your sleep and all else fails, please seek professional help. We're here to help you. We're here to identify what sleep condition you have and address it properly. Because some patients try to fix their sleep by themselves, not knowing that what they're doing is actually making it worse and not knowing what the actual sleep problem is. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Dr. Jimmy B. Chang, head of the Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center of St. Luke's Medical Center, Quezon City, and chair of the Philippine Academy of Sleep Surgery, speaking with Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol about how to sleep better at night. Sweet dreams, everybody. This episode was recorded remotely on June 14. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.